Would you like to 10X your productivity and stop feeling so overworked and overwhelmed? Welcome to the Extreme Productivity Podcast with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey, everybody. Kevin Cruz here. Thank you for coming back once again to the podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is extreme productivity. I interview one of the great executive coaches out there, and we're going to talk about everything from the 80-20 rule to getting the one thing right. And he's a host of an amazing podcast. He's going to share a little bit about the insights he's gained from interviewing hundreds of people. Before I start that interview, before I introduce our guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. One, if you like this podcast, if you got even one thing out of it, please leave a rating, a review up on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever it is that you're listening from. And if you want to fulfill your full potential, if you want to be seen as a high potential at work, visit leadx.org and just sign up for the free trial to check out Coach Amanda. We've released many new features in the last month, including hundreds of business book summaries. And Coach Amanda will now help you to pick a goal like employee engagement, building trust with your team, getting better at recognition or feedback. And she will give you a 12-week, 12-item action plan. And she'll even check in with you once a week to be your accountability buddy. Check her out. See if she should be your executive coach at leadx.org. Now, my guest today is an award-winning speaker and coach who helps professionals perform optimally at work. He's been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, Inc. He's delivered one-on-one -on -one coaching to over 700 leaders from world-class organizations like Google, FedEx, Amazon, Apple, and even the United Nations. He began his career at Bain & Company, and currently he is the host of the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, which has been downloaded over six million times. Please welcome Pete Makaitis. Pete, welcome to the show. Kevin, thanks. It's awesome to be here. Now, we are um, talking that we're sort of like more recent friends and podcast friends, and I don't know a whole lot about your work. I know, you know, I mentioned in, in the bio I read that you actually started uh, working at Bain & Company, right? That's true, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. How did, how did you end up there? How long were you there? Oh, it was fun. I was just about three years, and, and I, I was a weird kid in uh, college. I, I remember day one uh, when I set foot on campus at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. I said, you know, when I graduate here, I want to be at McKinsey and Company, Boston Consulting Group, or Bain and Company. That's the dream. The three big and, ones. Yeah. And, uh, and so let's go for it. And then Bain captured my heart, you know, wow. in terms of I really like you guys. I got an internship after a lot of case interview practice. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, the, the rest is history. I, I, I accepted their offer and had a lot of fun there. But although that was a dream of yours as you were a young man, you had three picked out, you are not currently the CEO or chairman of Bain. So what, <laughs> what changed your mind? What happened? Well, you know, I'd say <clears throat> there's a few things. I mean, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I met some great people. And so I think it really accomplished the, the goals I was after. But I, I think what I really learned from my experience working with a lot of different kinds of business problems and, and people is that really uh, what gets me most jazzed is people development stuff. And so when I had projects that evolved some of that, I really came alive. And when I got to do some recruiting on campus, I thought that was a blast too. 
And so that was pretty helpful in having a wide array of experiences. I could zero in on, huh, this is what is really juicing me the most. And um, I also kind of wanted a little bit more autonomy uh, mm-hmm. in terms of controlling, you know, my, my days and what I was doing and, and where I was, you know, as opposed to, Pete, you're getting on a plane <laughs> Nashville tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay. You know, um, and I also, I wanted a little bit more um, control, I guess, because sometimes there were some surprises like, oh, uh, next week is an 80-hour week and I, and I didn't even know about it in advance. Oops. You know, and, and so that, that was kind of challenging as well as I, I was on the giving and the receiving end of this a few times. Like someone wants to make a, a dinner plan, you know, on a Tuesday night. Like, oh, yeah, how about we meet at 7? Uh, make that 7.30. Uh, make that eight. Make that eight thirty. Sorry, I can't do dinner. You know, and it's right. just, uh, and so it, it doesn't feel good being on the giving or receiving side of that. But um, so those are the things. There's pros and cons in every career. Um, I, I heard a Bain partner say that uh, going to Bain is is the very best place you can start a career, and and I kind of agree. Even though that's a pretty bold, you know, superlative yeah. statement. Um, a great place to start a career. And I mean, depending on your, your goals and life and priorities and stuff, you, you may or may not want to stick around for, for 20 years. But uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that I started there. Yeah, I, I think um, everybody I know in, in business, I mean, just has a world of respect for anybody that can say they at some point, you know, were part of one of the big consulting companies or one of the big investment banking firms. And I know a lot of people who, uh, you know, they're, they're now in their 30s or 40s or even 50s, and they're no longer in uh, working in an investment bank or, or, or big consulting firm. But they'll say, I mean, it is the best way to like, learn how to read, you know, financials inside out, upside down to prepare slide decks like nobody's business. Um, and to, to learn what it is like to work with a lot of different people, including a lot of some, you know, hard drivers. And uh, those 80 hour work weeks are never fun. But when you're in your 20s, and usually pre kids, you know, it's a little easier, gets a little harder to do, you know, in your fifth year, your 10th year, your 20th year, right? Certainly. And, and I think most weeks were manageable, like 55 or 60 hours, yeah. but still sizably more than 40, you know, yeah, you know yeah. if you think about the, you know, kids equation. Yeah. So where's home for what part of the world do you live in? I'm in Chicago. Still in Chicago. Very good. Very good. Now, and I want to talk to you more specifically about some uh, productivity concepts and, and ideas yeah. that I know you and I like to to share. But I know that um, you know one of the training programs you offer is is called Enhanced Thinking and Collaboration. Um, That's right. What what kind of a program is that? What do people uh, take away from that training program? Oh, sure thing. Well, you know, in some ways we talked about Bain. I, I think there's a number of things from like a strategy consultant's toolkit, but the general premise is, you know, if you work in a professional setting where your job largely consists of figuring stuff out and communicating, collaborating with other people, which I think a lot of knowledge workers, you know, find themselves exactly in that spot, right. then this helps you do it better, you know, with regard to, uh, to some, sometimes it's the simplest things that make the biggest difference in terms of like asking great clarifying questions up front and then having wise check-ins as you get closer to the final kind of deliverable and tr- so that you're on the same page with uh, your, your manager or your teammates you're collaborating with and, and having less wasted time. And so I think that the coolest thing about the trainings was that uh, we had some real 
delightful before and after results with regard to roughly 80 something minutes of waste per week was slashed on out of there based on our before and after uh, evaluations. And a lot of that came comes from unnecessary or redundant um, analysis, like, oh, it turns out, there's, uh, we actually didn't need to ask that question in the first place, you know, if we were a little bit more rigorous thinking about it up front, as well as unnecessary meetings and, and being able to equip people with uh, the, the scripts and tact to diplomatically push back, you know, on, on a meeting like, oh, I noticed you invited to this meeting. Thanks for including me. Mm-hmm. I don't quite see exactly uh, what value I would particularly offer in this context. Did you have something in mind? And it was like, oh, no, I just didn't want to be rude. It's like, okay, well, I'm fine not being at this, <laughs> but let me know if you need something from me. And so I was like, okay, cool. And so in that way, you know, a lot of that unspoken stuff in terms of, oh, I just didn't want to, you know, be uh, offensive by excluding you from a meeting and, to, as, and then not just sort of saying, oh, well, it's on my calendar. I, I guess I have to go. Um, just sort of challenging those assumptions. And it's a lot yeah. of fun. It's amazing. I have heard that that happens a lot, both in terms of, you know, meetings, you're, you're afraid to slight somebody or, or that they're going to get mad if they find out you had a meeting, they weren't invited. So you invite them. And similar is sort of like the, the CC line on an email, you know, why do you have these 10 people on? Well, you didn't, you don't want them to be offended or, or to feel bad that they're left out. And meanwhile, it's sort of, I think now it should be the culture where, um, boy, you know, I, I, I would rather you accidentally leave me off of an email than <laughs> to put me on, right? You know, right. it's, it's rude, to, rude to put me on the CC. It's rude right. to invite me to the, to the meeting. Um, but I know in a lot of cultures, it isn't quite like that. And a lot of people do have that FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. And they like to go to those meetings or see those emails. So it's kind of tough. But um, so on, on, I'm curious with that course, um, is this, this is an in-person course, a live course? That's right. Yeah. So we have uh, about 11 sessions. And so they each last uh, about 90 minutes. And uh, it's the first and the last are in person. So I kind of get to know people. Mm -hmm. And then the others are are remote, but all the attendees are in the same room. So great way to do it. Like a a designated logistics coordinator uh, at the client side and say, hey, could you please print out these slides in advance? And then at the designated moment, I'll say, hey, split into groups of two or three, you know, distribute these slides. And now here we're going to do the exercise. So that's That's how it goes down. And who would be the the typical um, like buyer? Is this a, a head of HR, a head of learning and development or someone else? You know, often I find that they are included in the conversations leading up to the purchase, but uh, more so it's uh, a business uh, unit manager or, or a bum. I just <laughs> a business uh, unit manager, a B-U-M. But, but, I like you know, that. Like, let's say you're uh, the manager of a radio frequency team at a leading telecommunications company for a given market. I had a few repeat clients like that. So it's mm-hmm. like, all right, maybe it's uh, Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T, Sprint, whomever. It's like, okay, hey, the Chicago uh, group of engineers wants to think and collaborate better. Oh, well, now so do the New England engineers. And now mm-hmm. so do the San Diego ones. Um, also, we had a you know customer service and analytics team. So that's kind of the deal. It's like folks are, they're, they're seeing, you know, I think things could be a little sharper. I, could, yeah. I think we could get do a little bit less rework. And I, and I think that we could be a little bit more on point with regard to, you know, the analyses that we're choosing to do and, and the presentations from them to be all the more impactful. And that's sort of, if you, if you got that inkling, then, then it's, it might be the thing for you. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great to hear. And uh, I, I appreciate that. It's um, I noticed that on your website and it was fascinating, including those before and after um, results. And again, I, I mentioned and we'll mention it at the end, but you can actually see these before and after evaluations from, you know, different engineering teams um, at awesomeatyourjob.com slash training hyphen programs, training dash well, thank programs. You. So you're too yeah, kind with the plug. Oh, no, no, it's really, it's really <laughs> cool stuff. I mean, there's tons, I've been doing corporate training stuff for 30 years. So few people even try to look at actual measurable results or T1, T2. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. It, it's just crazy. I, I This is like, uh, I mean, this goes back a few years, but I was face-to-face with the vice president of, of training at a major top 10 pharmaceutical company. And I was encouraging her and I was bragging like, our training gets results. You should measure, you know, before and after, blah, blah, blah. And she paused. She's like, why in the world would I ever want to measure to see if my training programs were getting results? And I, I thought I didn't understand. So I like just was quiet. And she said it again. And I said, well, why wouldn't you? She says, what if the results are bad? I don't yeah. want my boss to know. She literally said that to me. I mean, didn't even try to hide it, you know? So well, yeah, I'll tell you, it's, it's true. I mean, it, it takes some boldness. And I remember uh, this all grew out. I was coaching someone actually. And, and this is how it emerged very organically. He said, you know what? These are really great skills. I want my whole team to know them. I was like, well, you know what? We could probably figure something out. Yeah, <laughs> and this is yeah. what has emerged and evolved over some iterations. And, and it was so interesting because I, I wanted some results as well. Um, but I was a little, I was a little nervous about the, you know, the, the level of scrutiny that that does invite, yeah. you know, for you. And I remember I was chatting with someone who worked with, uh, teachers and, and, and principals and developing them. And, and I, and I mentioned to her, I was like, Oh, we're doing this evaluation with these questions. And she's like, Oh man, good luck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think that's our why. That's why it doesn't <laughs> happen is because people are scared. They're going to look like a bum. It's like, right. Hey, I saw you spent 13,000 bucks on this and it actually didn't do anything for you, right. but you want to renew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I think now, I mean, it gives you some swagger when you can show those kinds of charts, because even if they don't want to take the time, you know, to, to do the before and after for their own group and kind of wave it around with some confidence that, all right, this is stuff that's going to, going to change. Some right. Numbers. Yeah. So that's great. Well, I'm curious about, you know, some of your ideas and, and content and a great place to start is I know, you know, you have some thoughts about like, how should we go about when it comes to um, prioritizing? Oh, sure thing. And that's one of the main reasons that those, those clients saw those gains with regard to a reduction in wasted time. And so I'd say I've got three key tools. Consultants and there are three things, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, I, I go, are you going to whip out a two by two uh, grid in a second? <laughs> the first is on a two by two matrix. <laughs> upper right, upper right. <laughs> well, and so uh, the, the first of them is what I... I got to get a good name for it, but I guess it would be sort of like the yield ratio or something is, is I like to think about things quantitatively. There's that consulting with spreadsheets in terms of, all right, you know, when it comes to prioritizing, it's like generally you want to get some kind of a result and you've also got some kind of a constraint. And so for me in business, uh, one of the key results I'd like to generate more of is profit. I'd like to generate more profit. And one of the key constraints I've got is I've only got so many hours in the day. And, and so thusly, in terms of thinking, boy, should I do, which of these 20 initiatives should I really pursue? I like to actually look at them all on the basis of the expected profit generated per hour demanded. 
Mm. And, and so that it is amazing how, and I've got a simple spreadsheet, happy to share that with your listeners that helps you within maybe five minutes, get a rough sense of that number. Yeah, you make some assumptions and some guesstimates in terms of getting there, like how many years do I think this will be a profit stream or a savings stream? And what's the probability of success that this thing is going to really fly versus just not work out at all the way I, I hoped it would. And But then sure enough, you're making your best guess assumptions for all these elements of how many hours do I think this thing will take and how much money will it save and all that. And then it's amazing when you behold them all on one sheet, you're like, wow, before I thought those two initiatives were roughly equal and I couldn't decide between them. But lo and behold, this one I expect to be generating you know, $2,000 of profit per hour. And this one I expect to be generating $90 of profit an hour. I'm going to go with the $2,000 one. And, um, and then sort of in 5, 10, 20 minutes, the, the light comes on and there's huge illumination. So, so that's one of my favorite tools there is, is what's the outcome per constraint. And, and there's other ways that you can use that beyond just money. Like for example, right now, I am, I've been on a quest and I've done this maybe five times successfully and I, I'm doing it again, is, is I am, am seeking to find world-class uh, writing and, and coordination talent uh, in the Philippines at, mm-hmm. you know, a, a great price, like under yep. 12 bucks an hour. So now the challenge is, you know, I have a high standard and, um, you know, maybe one-ish percent of candidates uh, will meet it. And, and so that can create quite a lengthy process, <laughs> a challenge in terms of how do I get what, um, what I'm looking for. And so what I find is the outcome I want is how can I very quickly disqualify those who are not going to ultimately, you know, be worthwhile in terms of, you know, the, the top talent. But the constraint I have is I, I can't give them like a four hour application to do with, with no, you know, money. It's like, right. who's going to put themselves to that? Right. And so then I think about, okay, what is the uh, disqualification percentage, you know, per minute of their time I'm burning? Yeah. And, and so yeah. you, a high yield question might be, hey, I'm paying this much. Um, does that work for you? And, and what are you currently being paid? Mm-hmm. And so like in less than one minute, they could say, yeah, that's awesome. That's a 30% bump for me versus, right. oh, no, actually, I'm, I'm kind of getting more already. So in under one minute, we know, okay, we, we don't have a fit here. And maybe another one minute thing is go to speedtest.net. Tell me what your upload download numbers look oh, like. Oh, that's a great one. It's like, oh, they're, they're, too, they're too small, unfortunately, for us to, to do a, a Skype or, or a screen share and, and our collaboration will really be impeded. So, so I guess, you know, this won't work. So, so how could I kind of really zero in on finalists uh, quickly uh, based upon the fact that uh, I, I want to get a lot of insight in, in one minute of their time they're spending filling out that application. Yeah, that's that's those are some uh, great screeners. I, uh, <laughs> I I wish I'd spoken to you uh, a few years ago. I I had um, uh, a virtual assistant in the Philippines who I liked, and and uh, he did good work. And I had him for a couple of years. But one of the ways I got better talent, well, I thought better talent for less less money was um, he was not working in Manila. He was in one of the outer oh, right. uh, cities. And I found out that um, it's not just that the the Wi-Fi and the internet was a little spottier, <laughs> but in monsoon season, they would just right. lose electricity for days on end. I mean, so he would just go dark. He couldn't even like communicate with me. And I bought his family a generator. <laughs> so oh, look, I, what a good man. So, <laughs> good man. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I could, I think the family appreciated the generator cause I said, you know, just buy it and use it and do whatever you want, you know? And, and they I gave them extra for like the fuel for it. Like mm-hmm. your family can use it, whatever. Um, but it still was, there were, that could generate his house, but then like the, it didn't generate the, the local Wi-Fi, the internet company, you know, and it was all kinds of problems. And we finally ended up uh, ending that. And it kind of was a lesson about, I, I, I've used, you know, virtual assistants and overseas several times, but you do have to kind of think through about what you're getting and those other effects. Oh, absolutely. And, and then you got to cover those bases, no doubt. But I find the rewards are, are, are rich. I think it's really an upfront investment in terms of it takes, boy, hours and hours and, and plenty of money in terms of the, the advertising and the oh, yeah. paid uh, testing, you know, as well to see yeah. how, how things are looking. So it, it does take, you know, numerous months to recoup, you know, that upfront investment in terms of, you know, savings relative to maybe the U.S. Um, right. or, or European worker. But um, it's, but I find it worth doing and uh, it's just fun. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's fun to be able to pay someone a salary that thrills them. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. As opposed to, yeah, okay, I guess I can scrape by on this for a little while until something better comes along. Oh, yeah. You know? No, it, yeah. it is amazing not to go like, like, why are we talking about VAs now? But, uh, no, but I, I've literally had, uh, you know, where I've, I've, I've paid $100 an hour to writers who acted like, I, they were doing me a favor at that. And I've, yeah. I've paid, you know, 12 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour to writers overseas who are like delighted. And the difference in the writing hasn't always been that dramatic. So um, that's the key, you know, you it's find, like, yeah, the right, right person doing that testing. And so, and I think I've, I've fine tuned the process. So, well, Hey, if it was looking for a great overseas writer, you know, that's right. That's, that's an excellent little freebie there, huh? Uh, <laughs> holler. <laughs> All right. So Pete, let me, here's another productivity thing. And it was one of the 15 secrets that I uh, wrote about in my book, 15 secrets successful people know about time management. It's one of my favorites, the Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule, but you say sometimes people get it a little wrong. Well, I I think they, they don't give it its due. I've got on my bookshelf, you know, the, the 80, 20 rule by Richard Koch, uh, who's, uh, Great dude, great, dude. Yeah. Uh, very wise, and also a consultant. And so, I think where where we fall short is that I think we've we've heard it before. It's like okay, sure, yeah, eighty percent of results come from twenty percent of causes. All right, okay, got it, cool, that makes sense. And so that means I, I think the the summary is oh, so therefore I should prioritize, and that some things are some things are more important than other things. But I, I think we don't go nearly far enough in terms of we think you know, some things are are slightly more important than others, or substantially more important than others, or even twice as important as others? Well, the 80-20 rule is saying, no, no, there are some things that are 16 times as important as those other things. And depending on our, our, our tolerance for dorky math, I could, I could right. break down these figures. <laughs> but, but that's what they're saying, is, is that uh, certain things are, are generating 16 times the output of other things. And I even see that when I w- put that profit per hour, different initiative stuff, it is not at all uncommon for just like they suggest that the top 20% of initiatives sure enough are delivering something like 16 times the profit per hour as the other initiatives. And, and it's huge. And I think about a lot of times in terms of time savings, like you can do the task hundreds of times. I think about podcasts, you know, editing, sure. maybe you could do the task hundreds of times, 
or you can really do the deep work, think hard about what are the processes and needs and, and elements that you want of the output of a finished podcast, and then uh, document that and find the people to execute that at a, at a price that works for you. And now it's handled. And, and, and so that would be an example of that 80-20 time. Uh, the vital few 16x power is the time you're spending doing the, the thinking, the documenting, and the hiring versus the doing it yourself hundreds of times for, for years to come. Yeah, and I think this is so critical. You know, a, a lot of my listeners are, are entrepreneurs, small business people. And, you know, I've, I've got my own now just over two-year-old startup. And it is so easy to fall into that trap where it feels like there's this thing that I could do it and be done with it in an hour today. Uh-huh. That's below my quote unquote pay scale or whatever. But like, I know how to do it and it needs to get done soon. Like, let me just do it and move on knowing that it might take a lot of hours to then go through that, train someone, hire someone, whatever it is. But that one hour item is going to come back next week or next month or whatever it is. And entrepreneurs, small business people, it's hard to be like to go fast, you know, to do more, you need to slow down and like do less and like, whoa, wait a minute here. Let me think about this. And even if it's more time today, it's going to then help you to go faster and farther uh, tomorrow. Sometimes it's just hard to, to get out of that mindset. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I'm with you. And, and I'm starting to get more and more intense about this <laughs> in terms of, yeah, a lot, I think a lot of things that they, oh, you know, it's only it take me a couple minutes, but I, I'm sort of thinking now, it's like, okay, if this thing takes me three minutes, I have to do it every week. Then that's 156 minutes or two and a half hours every year. So if, if I could spend, you know, two hours up front systematizing, yeah. thinking about the process or, or, or the means by which this could be automated or made unnecessary, then I'm going to be able to recoup that investment, you know, within a year. And 100% ROI is pretty fantastic. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> so I, I have sort of gotten all the more intense about, you know, eliminating those things. And I think it's one thing if like you enjoy it, you know, it's like, you know what? I enjoy mowing my lawn, maybe. I don't know. Just <laughs> it's like, that's a task you could outsource, sure. But, but if you find a certain fulfillment, and, right. ah, that is a beautiful lawn and I have mowed it and I enjoyed the process of being outdoors and smelling it. Well, then by all means, you know, go right. for it. But I think other things, if it's like, you know, eh, this guy just has to get done. I don't really enjoy it, but it's pretty quick. I would say, yeah, see if you can uh, automate, outsource, uh, systematize that. Yeah, no, that's great. I uh, I often will uh, lightly complain about how many times I'm running to the grocery store in a given week. Oh, yeah. and, I, and I finally realized if I keep doing this this long, it is because I like it. It gives me an excuse to get out of the house <laughs> or to like get among people and, you know, go do something that's not work related. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not a productivity thing. It's definitely uh, a weird enjoyment thing. So um, give me an example of using the one thing question repeatedly to get some greater insight. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, that would be sort of the third tool, I guess. The first was the, the outcome per constraint. Uh, mm-hmm. The second, the 80-20 rule. And the third, the one thing question. So, so I had uh, Jay Papazan, which is the co-author uh, with uh, Gary Kelly. Keller. Kelly. Gary, <laughs> on the, the One Thing book. And, and so, and it was a great interview, a lot of fun having him on the show. And I have just found that so handy. So the, the one thing to, to recap is, you know, what's the one thing you could do such that by doing it 
everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. So I, I think that's worth chewing on for a moment. I might say it again. What's the one thing you could do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary? And, and so I find it really helpful to think about that kind of multiple times over to drill down deep into something. So for example, right now, we got two kids under two years old at home. Mm. <clears throat> well, you know, one thing <laughs> that uh, would make everything else easier is sleeping more. <laughs> right. And so then I, I asked the question again, it's like, okay, well, what's the one thing I could do such that it would be easier uh, to sleep more? And I think, well, we got to get uh, Jonathan, the kid, to sleep, to sleep better. It's like, okay, well, what's the one thing that would make him sleep better? It's like, well, maybe he seems to wake up in the middle of the night kind of, kind of thirsty, and I'm thirsty too. Maybe the air is kind of dry. How about, it's like, well, what's the one thing I could do to reduce the air beat? You know, get the idea. It's like, well, fill the humidifier. And so, so by uh, doing the process of, of the hard thinking, mm -hmm. we can zero in on, okay, if I take two minutes to fill the humidifier and turn it on, I may save a full hour of, of sleep because there's, there's less of a wake up going on. And that's a huge return. Yeah, I spend two minutes, I get an extra hour of sleep. And then because of the sleep, you got some nice momentum going. Everything else seems a little easier and brighter Yeah. <laughs> as a result. So I think it's great to ask that question and then to, to ask it again. I, maybe one more example might be, so along with the kids, you know, I've maybe developed a bit of a dad bod, you know, getting mm -hmm. some more of the uh, weight. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, how can I, how can I eat better? What's the one thing that would make a difference for eating better? It's like, well, eating more salads. Well, well, what would make it easier to eat more salads? It's like, well, if I had a, a great salad container such that I didn't have to, you know, take out all the romaine, cut half of a head and then put it back and then use that to make one salad. If I had just one container that has numerous salads, then I, that'd be really efficient and easy to do. It's like, well, what would make it easier to have that container? It's like, well, I guess I just have to make these measurements because I want to be pretty big and not a tiny little thing. And, and then, so I really did. I, I buckled down and spent 40 minutes taking measurements of my fridge for exactly where I wanted this container and then researching Amazon for exactly what would fit. And uh, I found the perfect salad container, Kevin. And nice. uh, I'm eating way more salad and I, I'm losing fat. It's, That's it's great. All coming together, yeah. Now, do you, you uh, make these salads um, ahead of time? That's right. And so like, is it like you're, you're doing food prep on Sunday night and it lasts all week? Or is it like you prep it in the morning? So you eat it for lunch instead of uh, a sandwich? Well, no, it's multiple days. So, you know, I would estimate this container could fit. Uh, oh, oh, I see. It's like in one big container. Yeah. yeah. So six to eight sort of handfuls. It's like salad is consists of now of, I grab a handful of the stuff that's already in there, the romaine, the lettuce, yeah. the, the peppers, grab a handful of that, you know, add some cheese and some pepper and some dressing and some nice. little the tortilla you know strips yeah and uh boom salad made in in one minute uh, because it would most of it was pre-made in advance yeah no that's great i am trying to get back on that um uh, myself and for the same reason and um i i just bought a bunch of those jars so i could make each salad in its own oh those container. do look good on <laughs> yeah they yeah. look good right and they're like all layers and everything <laughs> yeah, yeah. All fancy i'm gonna i'm gonna open up a pinterest account and put them up there <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was the first thing I think of is Pinterest. Salad jars, Pinterest. Yeah, exactly. Um, Instagram food page. Yeah. Um, so, so far I'm all talk, you know, I'm, I'm all okay. hat and no cattle, but hopefully I'm going to do this here to also up my salad game a little bit. Well, thousands uh, are listening to this <laughs> commitment. <laughs> 
let, let me ask this, Pete, and then, uh, and then we'll both get on with the rest of our day. So you, of course, are also the host of the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, and you've interviewed, you've mentioned a couple of people, but who, who are some of your favorite um, interviews and some of the, the big takeaways you've had? Oh, boy. You know, there, there's so many good ones, and uh, both in terms of the guests and the takeaways. So I am al- going to almost pass the buck and, and re- re- defer to my guests. So I did this big old data, you know, analysis in which I said, okay, which episodes perform the highest in terms of indexed downloads? Mm-hmm. You know, because cause you're, as you know, your newer episodes will... Uh, show better downloads than your older episodes just because you're much bigger now you yeah. know, with growth. Uh, so I indexed that. And then also, which ones did the best in terms of Apple's engagement data mm-hmm. in terms of the portion of people who get you know, 25 or more minutes in? And so I, I kind of put those side by side to see you know, who are some of the finest episodes. And, and I went ahead and assembled those at the very beginning of my podcast feed. So, so episode zero is start here and then episodes A, B, C, D, E, F are six of the greatest hits. So you can hopefully get a wow. taste and get hooked. <laughs> this is a brilliant yeah. idea to like well, thank you. do that analysis and then take the best ones and move them to the front. So people starting at the beginning yeah. really, really get them. And, and so, so those, um, so that's what I did. And so I'll just say a couple that I thought were pretty, yeah. pretty cool. So uh, one of them was by a uh, business school professor, Carter Cast, over at uh, Kellogg Northwestern. And he had- so he's in your backyard. Oh, yeah. That's right. Very close. He talked about conquering career derailers, like the stuff. He interviewed a bunch of people who got demoted or fired, which was a really cool perspective as opposed to all strength, strength, strengths. It's like, okay, well, what's the dark side? What, what do we got to watch out for? And, and really highlighted that, that many of us can, can speak to our strengths well, but have a harder time articulating, you know, what is it about you that could hurt you? You know, what's uh, the danger in overusing some of your strengths? And so I thought that was pretty helpful in terms of, you know, putting some guardrails up for myself <laughs> in terms of, I'm going to back off a little bit for this fascinating analysis, just because uh, I think enough is enough. And I'm starting <laughs> to waste time. <laughs> he, 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 I had interviewed him when his book came out as well. Great, great guy. And uh, it, it was interesting how he talked about, you know, often your, your strength, you know, you, you over rotate on it becomes your, your weakness. Yeah. And, um, for a guy who you know uh, has had an already an incredible career and he's a professor, he's a venture capitalist. I mean, just so genuine and like regular oh, yeah. guy, you know, in the interview. That's that's great. It, it's that's like so it's like, hey, will you be my best friend? Can I, can <laughs> I hang yeah. out at your house all the time? Sorry to be the weird stalker. <laughs> so give me give me one more from like maybe your first six list or. Oh sure. Well, I think another really handy one because I got a few listener requests about hey, help me when it comes to managing up. And I was like, you know what, that is a great. That's a great point. And I, it's funny, I was act, proactively looking for authors when I, I found this one. And so her name is Mary Abajay. And so we talked about how to manage your manager. And the best tip she offered, it was so brilliant, it was that it can be really helpful to take a moment and, and really just have a conversation with your manager up front, even if you've been working with that person for years already, in terms of saying, you know what, I'd really like to get clear on, you know, hey, what does winning mean for the organization, for the team? for me? You know, how do you think about quality? What are some expectations you have that people frequently, you know, don't make that kind of frustrate or annoy you? It's like, how would you prefer to communicate in terms of, you know, email, drop by, phone call, text, and, and, and sort of what times, you know, are there, are there quiet times? And so just getting really clear on those matters. And, and I think it's, it was cool because 
you know, working at Bain, you know, which I guess is, you know, often at top lists of best places to work for, <laughs> for some reasons, like that was just sort of natural, like, okay, hey, new project, new manager, we're going to have these conversations. Yeah, this is what we do. And then uh, uh, elsewhere, you know, it's not so common. In fact, she said right. less than 1% of, of folks have these conversations. And, and I have found in the rare moments, often maybe I'm like a client and someone's asking yeah. me these questions. It's like, oh, how delightful. Like you really care. You're really getting the info you need to to delight me. And so I found some people find that a little awkward. Like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. That's kind of weird. That's kind of different. But it's like, it's only awkward and weird because you haven't done it. And I, I could tell you as the on the receiving end of that, the manager, it is delightful. I'm thinking this person is brilliant and I like them a lot. Right. They go right. there. Yeah. No, yeah, that's right. You know, I in uh, you know some of my work and 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 the new book, I you know counsel or urge people to like listen. Just shut off the notifications on your phone, shut down email, and process email, process messages when you want to. And you know, for someone like me, I do like once in the morning, once in the middle of the day, once uh, before you know quitting for the day. Um, and a lot of times, I'll get people say well, that's impossible. Like my boss emails me all day long or messages me all day long. Like I gotta, I gotta be on that and respond quickly. And I always say like, are you sure? Like, did your boss say that you need to respond within three minutes, five minutes? Have you ever had that conversation? And um, sometimes I'll get emails back that they say they're shocked. Like they went to their boss and said, hey, you know, um, when you email me and ping me, like how quickly are you assuming I'm going to get back to you? And often they're like, Oh, I don't know, whenever it was just on my mind. So I did it didn't mean I had to respond <laughs> oh, right yeah. away. You know, they just never had that conversation. So it's, uh, it's great to, to just clarify all those things. You know, we have that exact conversation in the enhanced thinking collaboration training program with it with the whole team assembled. And it's awesome. Because I'd say maybe a third of them. It's like light bulbs are going off like, whoa, really? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and usually the, the the standard we arrive at is, why don't we say, that you will receive a reply within 24 hours. And if you need one faster, it's on you to kind of get in their face a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, there's, and, that, and that's happened in several conversations. They say, yeah, that works great for us. So if you just have that conversation, set that norm, boy, I mean, a, a huge weight could be lifted off that's of right. your, your daily shoulders. Like, I mean, go for it. Yeah, yeah, that's great stuff. So Pete, tell us uh, the best way we can find out more about your work, your um, uh, your training program, and certainly your podcast. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, well, I'd say, you know, if you want to talk about the training program, you can email me, Pete at awesomeatyourjob.com, or just peruse the stuff at awesomeatyourjob.com with the training program tab. Uh, if if you want to hire an amazing uh, worker overseas at a at a good price, we could talk about that too. I'm in the throes <laughs> of that, and I might have some some extra winners uh, from my uh, application pools. And um, and yeah, but really, I think the podcast is where it's at. You know, so I would say fire up your podcast app of choice. Type uh, how to be, and it may well autocomplete for you. You'll see a friendly yellow art. And uh, check out some of those favorite episodes, A, B, C, D, E, F, at the very beginning of the feed. And, and I hope you love them. How to be awesome at your job. Pete, thanks for joining us on the LeadX and also the Extreme Productivity Show. Oh, thanks, Kevin. It's been fun. 